When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? CP, still gone, still missing, but that's okay, because I'm joined by one John Kozak, Andrew Spay in the back, and Ben Askren via satellite. How's everyone doing today? All at once, you want us to answer? Yep, everybody at the exact same time. Good. So good. We're all doing great. Did you guys have a happy fourth? You didn't join us yesterday. Do anything crazy? Light off some fireworks? Nothing, nothing crazy. My my neighborhood was going wild though, so that was fun to fun to watch. Yeah, Texas loves their fireworks. I do. Spade yeah. was at the beach. Mm-hmm. I was at the beach, uh, but I got back just in time for neighborhood fireworks. Ah, some of the best fireworks are neighborhood fireworks. Oh, yeah. Made right. a mess of the street. Those awful. are my favorite fireworks when I'm lighting them off. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty impressive. They weren't just like sparklers and stuff. Yeah. Well, um, got, before we get into the news today, we're gonna break down some Team Russia stuff. That's why I bought on. Resident Russian experts John Kozak and Andrew Spey look at their chances in Tokyo, USA's chances against them in Tokyo. Some big news first. Yesterday, it's a good time yeah. to be a Cornell fan and a Spartan Combat RTC fan. Mike Gray is kind of building an empire. Kellen Russell and Donnie Vincent announced as assistants, and this is one or just a couple of days after Frank Pirelli was announced as the head RTC coach for the Spartan Combat RTC and a week or two after Quiz was just added to the Spartan Combat RTC. So, uh, what is the connection between Gray and Kellen Russell? Weren't they teammates at Blair? I, if I'm right, am I at the right time there? Um, they, I can't say for sure if they were like teammates, they were. but I think, yeah, I think you might be right there. They're both Jersey guys. And That's then, confirmed. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Donnie Vincent, uh, maybe Kyle Dake requested him so then he can get payback for one of those college losses like every single day or what? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And it's just oh, interesting. Uh, and, you know, did Wiz bring kind of Donnie with him? Was it completely separate? Um, you know, who knows? But hurts if you're a Wolfpack fan for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, they took two of those guys. And Don, Donnie's from the area originally. Obviously, went and went to uh, um, Binghamton, so he should know the area really well. But that's a really young coaching staff too, uh, which I like. You know, they're, they're going to bring some good energy next couple of years. And I think Cornell's set up for the foreseeable future with uh, the group of guys they got there now. Absolutely, great, great hires um, by Mike Gray. I don't think anybody can argue with that um and definitely not taking a step back after Cole left yeah i agree that uh it, well i don't know for sure but the vincent uh, gwizdowski connection is probably uh what that was and i think it shows you know how much of an impact uh Gwiz is already going to have and, and what a leadership role that he's going to take there just being a resident athlete and training and being from up there uh could be a, a sign mm-hmm. of uh, him sticking around long term interesting yeah, absolutely. 
Interesting. Hey, I had a, I had a tough question for you guys that I was thinking about while I was uh, working on the disc golf course yesterday. You guys ready for this one? Mm. Just with it. All right. So we discussed on the show yesterday Gable going pro, and we said we kind of all came to the conclusion if Gable wins the Olympics, he's going to go to the WWE. Okay, that was you know maybe MMA, but definitely he's gone. Now if he doesn't. We kind of all said, hey, we think he's probably going to come back. So, if you're Brandon Eggum, do you cheer for Gable to win gold or not win gold? What do you do? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Tell you, he wins silver, win. he gets bronze, you get another three years out of him, maybe he wins gold in 2024. If he wins in 2021, he's probably gone, but then obviously your program has had an Olympic gold medalist, which is, you know, yeah. not a lot of programs can say that. What do you do? <laughs> I think maybe you sabotage him a little bit. No, you, <laughs> you see both the guys. Yeah, <laughs> that trophy case they have in there when you get in, they want to have as many impressive things in there as possible. The fact that your program could have an Olympic gold medalist is uh, <laughs> extremely rare and valuable. And then you say thank you, Gable, for all that you've done for the university and the team and putting them on the map uh, and. Uh, absolutely, you you root for him to get gold. That that's an easy one for me. But I see where you're coming from, Ben. There, I'm sure there's a side of the, of every Gopher fan that's also like, well, it'd be nice to have him back yeah. on the team as well. But they're gonna reload. Yeah, they have so many big recruits coming in. You just have them win mm-hmm. gold, and then come back and wrestle for you, right? I mean, maybe <laughs> if you could get like a WWE sponsorship, right? Where yeah. they're paying him to wrestle in college. Now that that's available to him, maybe that could you be. Can't the, technically the deal. pay him to wrestle. Um, well, you could pay him to like you wear a WWE, WWE logo on every shirt. shirt that he's at, or something, yeah. something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he makes the, you know, if uh, wrestling on primetime on ESPN is worth something for WWE as well, so. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, did you guys see Jacob Casper? Um, was he with Triple H or something? Yeah, so Jacob Casper, when I went down to the uh, WWE Performance Center last October to kind of give a tour, and he was starting his first week there. And that was, you know, he he was moving there, living full-time. And uh, Jerry Briscoe really thought highly of Jacob Casper and his prospects and and liked him a lot. So I think we'll probably be seeing uh, Jacob Casper on the the big screen in uh, not too long. And didn't he he change his name, too? What is his uh, wrestling name? I don't. I saw it. I didn't memorize it though. I think it was like uh, Julius, something. Is it like Creed? Julius yeah, Creed. Yes. That's yeah. I did right. know Kozak. Yeah, it's a cool name. I like Jacob Casper too. <laughs> so the one of the things that is always. So one thing that's always so weird about uh, WWE to me, and I don't know if uh, maybe he gets to keep his personal also. But, like, you become that personality on Twitter and everywhere else. And WWE co-owns that that personality with you. And so, like, will Jacob Casper just totally leave the name Jacob Casper and become this other person? And obviously, have the Twitter handle and the social media and everything else. Um, that that would be so weird to me because, obviously, you know, Jacob Casper, he's not, like, a primetime name. But, he, you know, he's, he's recognizable. He does a, a lot on Twitter. And now he could just change it as totally the person we would never – see him again that's kind of something else i was thinking about with gable if gable signs wins the olympics and then signs some 
sponsorship deals, he probably won't be able to take those to the WWE with him. So that would be kind of strange also. How that how do you negotiate those? Hmm. I'll say he's pretty well known. I guess you could change the name and it would just it would just seem weird him going by something besides Gable Steveson at this point. Yeah. But I guess there's it's it's we're coming from a perspective of wrestling fans, so there's a whole enormous population that still has never heard of him. That yeah, would, I mean, uh, Kurt Angle got to keep Kurt Angle, so yeah, maybe it's possible. Yeah, I think about that with mm-hmm. <clears throat> like musical artists who they start to kind of make in some managers like, no, you need to change your name or go by this because it sounds better, and then all of a sudden, like their whole life, they've gone by this, and then it's just like switched <laughs> yeah you think nope, the ed- this is your name now the edge is still going by the edge like now that he's like a, you know in his 60s it's like i hope so hello the edge good to see you again yes how are the how are the grandkids <laughs> yeah for real oh man um you know the one in the wrestling media that changed their name yeah shane sparks not really shane sparks do you guys know that mm-hmm. what's his real name again nabel nabel yeah the real name is Shane Sparks. That's first right. of all. <laughs> um, yeah, we had nice. uh, when when uh, the whole Trek Wrestling crew came down. They flew him down to Austin for a couple different weekends. But when they introduced him to the whole company, it had an all hands thing. Um, there was a couple times where you heard uh, Shane Neville be introduced and talked about what he's going to do, and everybody got to meet him. And we're like, no, that's not right. That's mm-hmm. that's Shane Sparks. <laughs> for real. Well, let's, right. uh, let's get into this uh, Russian-America thing. Uh, I'm very interested to hear what your guys' takes are, but I think uh, I think we can get this done. I'm Team USA all the way. I don't know about uh, Kozak might be a communist defector or something. <laughs> mm. It'll be interesting. Kozak, um, find out. Should we uh, kind of run through team, team Russia first, kind of introduce people who may not be as familiar with the Russians sure. before we get into the pick'em? Yeah, let's do it. Kozak, I'll let you kind of lead the way since you're Mr. Worldwide, Mr. International. <laughs> Me and Pitbull. Yeah. 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 So 57 kilograms, uh, Zaur Guev. He is a two-time defending world champ at uh, 57 kg. Um, he did not place, though, at 2017 world, so he does have that on his record. Uh, Gajimir Rashidov, 65 kilograms, also a uh, two-time defending world champion, and he took silver in uh, 2017. Uh two-time defending world champion uh, as well. There's a, a bit of a theme with the first three weights there. And then uh, Artur Nifanov, uh 2019 world bronze. Uh, David Taylor has a win over him from 2018 Uregan. And then Sajulayev, 97 kilograms, two-time defending world champ there. And then uh, Sergey Kozirev is their uh, heavyweight rep, and he's he's pretty young. He was just cadets uh, in 2018. He wrestled Kirkfleet. Kirkfleet, and he lost lost to Kirkfleet in 2018. Uh, uh, well, he wrestled uh, cadets in 2018. Yeah. 2018, yeah. So he. Wow. He lost to Kirkfleet there, and then um, Kirkfleet lost uh, in the finals. But he came back for bronze, yep. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then um, wow. Kozirev did wrestle in the – they have the Youth Olympics. Um, I don't know how often they have those, but he did win that over Zare 
uh, from Iran that same year in 2018. So that's... that's also uh, Mason Paris beats our the next year. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that's just a quick rundown of, of Russia's team there. Should we get okay. into three Dagestanis and three Ossetians? Yeah. A rather evenly balanced team, although 100% <laughs> from the Caucasus region in right. southern Russia. Which that's not rare. No, no uh, <laughs> Siberians, no Lebedev. Mm-hmm. No Conti Menses. Well, no, there is a Conti Mansi. Uh, technically, Nifanov was born well, in Conti Mansi, but he's a from Ossetian. Conti Mansi is up in it's uh, in like the northern part, the Ural Mountains, on like maybe central, maybe eastern side. I'm not sure exactly, but there's a lot of uh, in all of Russia. There's a lot of natural resources and, and uh, fossil fuels, and so I believe that's what um, Nifanov's family does. Is they work in uh, it's like gas mines or something, but that's not. Um, you know, are you a geography major, Spay? Because I'm a geography major, and I feel like uh, you know way more than I do about uh, Russian geography. Uh, mostly just from reading. I was a mass communications major, so of course oh, I'm wow. following my uh, my dream and my passion from undergrad. Uh, Big J Spay, as we call him. Yeah, Big J Spay. That was my nickname all through uh, undergrad. But uh, no, I was um, yeah, just read a lot of Wikipedia when I'm bored sometimes, which happens uh, <laughs> I don't know, in class. But yeah, Nifanov yeah. is uh, that. That's I, maybe you were probably thinking that subconsciously because there's no way you just randomly pulled out a Conti Mazzi reference. Yeah, maybe <laughs> for real. But I was if, just thinking of a different republic. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but that that's not North Caucasus, so that's correct. Um, but yeah, no um, the Tuvins. No Tuvins. Tuva Tuva is a is no a really Tuvins. cool, interesting um, little uh, another autonomous republic of the uh, Russian Federation. But that's for another time. <laughs> another time we have a late night geography russian geography with andrew spay on thursday nights at 10 p.m let's <laughs> I'm, I'm all about it let's go <laughs> all right so you guys want to make some picks kind of whiteboard war this out yeah let's do it let's do it 57 Igoya versus gilman i think this is uh, uh gonna be pretty yeah. unanimous I think this is t- hard to pick uh against Igoya. How do you guys, Spay, can you give me the official pronunciation on everyone? Because I know you're the expert here. Is it Ugev? Ugev? Whenever whenever I'm trying to figure out exactly how to pronounce these guys, I go find like Russian YouTube and try to listen to how the announcers do it or see like an interview and they introduce him. And uh, it's Uguyev, as far as I can tell. A lot of the Russian names that end in uh, EV is just transliterated that way, but you can put a Y in between there for like an extra syllable. Uh, so there's like a Y in between the U and the E of a, of a Guyev. Um, and then the uh, thing that is annoying about a Guyev is he spells his name with a V in the middle of Zauer, but that's only like sometimes I think that's like a typo because that's happened to other Russian wrestlers when <laughs> like their passport, yeah. when they're, when they're trying to go from the Cyrillic alphabet to the Roman alphabet, it's, you know, it, it, a lot of them aren't scholars and, or, you know, they don't know, or a typo gets in there, but it looks like Zauer. But I'm 99% sure it's pronounced and, and should be Zauer. spelled Zauer. Yeah. 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 One of the things okay. that um, that I did when when kind of building my preview here was I looked at their records over the past couple of years, but then also compared that to the um, how they how they fared against the Olympic field in their entire careers, and so mm-hmm. that's you know I included that in the preview. Um, but I think just for conversation's sake and to kind of show who Zaur Guev 
is and you know how he's been he's he's only lost twice since 2018 and he uh to whom he lost to two guys from azerbaijan um at a and i think amir slanov who are not in the field um mm-hmm. but he does have a loss to um otley uh, i forget where that's from but years you know years past maybe 2017 um, so he's like eight and one against the Olympic field in his career. And you kind of, you contrast that to Gilman who, I mean, still has a, a decent record since 2018, 45 and, and 15, but he's nine and seven, uh, against the Olympic field. So he's, he's taken a lot of losses. Um, did Gilman beat Edirishvili at that tournament with him and Seriano? Yeah, at the DeGlane. So DeGlane. both, yeah, both of those guys were in the field there, and Suriano and, and Gilman um, took him took him out. I think he wrestled um, Edishiris Feely twice and beat him both times. So transitive yeah. property. There you go. There's the case for. There's the yeah, case for. Yeah, if you're Gilman. looking for a reason. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think Uguev is the the pick on paper, right? Yeah, and uh, Kozak also Uguev is really young, also correct. I mean. Um, Probably early. I mean, you never know with the Russians for sure, but probably early twenties. Um, he might be a little bit older than that. He twenty six. Okay, yeah. So he won cadets in twenty eleven and twenty twelve. Um, okay, got it. But yeah, that might be the one thing. Uh, you know, everybody's got an aging curve, and and nobody can wrestle forever, especially at those lower weights, fifty seven. Although Gilman, um, yes, you know, a similar um, reason why it might give you pause, but. Uh, uh, when you just look at the results, as as Kozak mentioned, Ogiev really tough. You don't really see that kind of dominance at the lower weights. We haven't seen it in a long time at 57 anyway. Um, very tough to pick against him here. Yeah, he yeah. and Rashidov are probably two of the biggest favorites on paper in Tokyo. For gold, just yeah, for in gold. general. Mm-hmm. Against the field. Which is yeah, weird because, sure. especially like 65 you know, probably arguably the hardest weight class. And 57, too, we just, like you said, we don't see dominance like that at the lighter weights, really, but we have from these guys. Um, hey, so, so actually, since this is something I've asked Christian a few times, but since we have, and you just brought it up, uh, JD, and we, uh, I'd like to hear Kozak and Spay, your guys' opinion on, you know, 57 and 65, for whatever reason, seem to, the depth always seems to be so much better than the other weight class, especially like when you contrast it with 86 this year, where it's like you look at the field and you're like, man, like one, one or two of these guys might have a chance against David Taylor and everyone else is going to get killed. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I always feel that way when I look at you know, even 74, the depth there is not nearly as as good as it is down low right 57 65 are always so much deeper is it literally just a that's the size of a human being in that part of the world or like what is the explanation of those weights being so much deeper than 74 86 and, and the other weights as you get bigger mm. not an easy one to uh to to uh you know feel really confident in whatever uh the theory is mine is that yeah. there's just less weight classes down there uh, and there are a lot of wrestlers that way around the 57, 65, and there's not a lot of places for them to go. Uh, as you can, you know, yeah. bump up, Satellive was a pretty normal looking 84, 86 kilo when he started. And now he's, you know, a full size 97, and guys can grow into that. And there's, uh, I just feel like, you know, 74, 86, it's a big jump. Um, 
You know, I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer, but I just feel like uh, 65 for the or more so even than 57 is just where everybody has to gravitate to. That's a real lightweight. Uh, if you can't make the yeah. 57 pull, you got to cut the you know 65 is your place to go, and then you know you can kind of bulk up. You can figure out ways to get bigger, but it's tougher to go the opposite direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure exactly what it's like in some of these other countries, but at least in America, those lower weight classes, that's where you see a lot of wrestlers because a lot of those bigger guys are off doing other sports right. where they can succeed. Yeah. Whereas if you're a 57-kilogram adult male, you're not going <laughs> to succeed in a whole lot of other sports you know that aren't size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say this, I was going to say the same thing. JD, it's like that's why we always recruit those small football players or those small basketball players. Like, hey, you don't have a future over <laughs> here. You could at least oh, you know, wrestle. I, I, and you can't go successful. that far. You have, you have no future. <laughs> yeah, I, try say, I try to say it. I try I to say it a little softer than that. You know, like yeah. the likelihood of someone who's five seven making the NBA or NFL. Maybe not all that great. It's possible. I'm not going to say it's impossible, <laughs> but there's not a lot of five, seven people in the NFL, something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, we got to move make on to picks? 65. I think we all went. Well, you, we got to put it on wax, though, yes? Yeah. yeah. We'll wax it up. Don't, don't speak for me here, JD. Sorry, sorry. Oh wow, Tyler already put it on the board, and I didn't. I, I didn't even make my pick. Tyler, you, how rude! You know, I think it's. I think it is worth noting, and this doesn't explain anything, but it does prove the point. At fifty-seven, in the last <laughs> in the last twenty years, there hasn't been a three-time consecutive champ. Um, so it just so, and that's what Aguev's going for this year. Um, at this, you know, at the weight or at the lightest weight, it it hasn't happened. So he's looking to. Um, to make history here. And so. he's got the individual World Cup. That is true. He's going to get the uh, Corona sweep or the, <laughs> the, the, the COVID <laughs> slam. The, the COVID Corona slam. quad. Yeah. Corona quad. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I'm and also, Gliff. we're picking like right now, right? Like, is it they met around Olympic time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not like yeah. peak, whatever. Yeah. No. Uh, right. I mean, well, like, does it matter? Well, you know, Gilman, would it be awesome right. if we could actually make these guys do a dual meet, like even prior to the Olympics? That would be so awesome. Ooh, it would be awesome. <laughs> yes, it'd take a lot of, a lot of moolah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of money to get Russia's number ones to show up. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess right, uh, I am picking Yugoev or Yugoev. There you go. You get it. <laughs> back Close on the enough. board. There we go. Nice. There it is. All right, wax. 65. I I feel like we came and picked Jordan because he didn't qualify, but I yeah. guess we're saying in a, in a hypothetical, hypothetical scenario at which we're having a dual meet uh, between these guys. And uh, this would be another one where uh, I, you know, I'm cheering for America in this one, but I think you're going to be really hard-pressed to make an argument that is reasonable at which you have Jordan Oliver beating uh, Rashidov. Yeah, it's... That... Um, I think that would be a bigger upset in my mind than oh, yeah. Gilman beating Yuguev. Um, hmm. That would be the biggest upset of this duel if it were to happen. You think yeah. so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oliver beating yeah. Rashidov? What's, uh, yeah, okay. Rashidov's only loss is the 
of recent anyway is uh, our last couple years, Aliyev at the individual World Cup, Haji. Otherwise, he's unblemished, yeah? I'm looking um, at you, Kozak. Yeah, he lost to um, Chikayev uh, back at 2019 Uregan also. Mm. I, the thing that mm. sticks out to me for Rashidov is, is kind of like the faith that you could tell the Russian Federation has in him, and maybe that's Tadiev, maybe that's his coaches. But, you know, uh, at 61 kilos, he took um, losses, right? And then a mm. lot of times for – yeah, 17 and 18, he made the finals, didn't win. And a lot of times Russia, uh, same with Iran, they have short leashes and they have a little bit more control over that. But it's like they were mm-hmm. – they knew that he was the guy for the Olympics at 65. He's still – I think he's younger than Aguyev. He's um, 25, I believe. So it was, um, you know, uh, it was like they were encouraging or, or nurturing him to go up to 65, be the guy. And then once he got there, once he filled out that weight, um, the last few years he's been pretty unstoppable. So I think that says a lot. I mean, the, it, you got to read the tea leaves a little bit, but I think the Russian coaches have, you know, probably the most faith in him as well, even though – 65, as we've just discussed, deepest around the world, certainly the deepest, I think, at the Olympics. You know what? I mean, especially a guy that was – he won this weight class, and I think I think half of Flo is in love with him. And then he, I feel like he just <laughs> fell off the face of the earth with Romanov. Um, has, does he even wrestle anymore? Sosan? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, but he was up at, like – 70 and 74 and having very average results yeah he was up so he was crazy. up in weight and then um so he was up at 70 i think he was trying to drop down to 65 mm-hmm. and then he had surgery and then you know pulled out kind of made a public statement that he was yeah. he was out of uh, olympic contention so yeah, he was on fire in 2016 yeah, oh, he, yeah. He, i think in 2019 2020 he lost to uh Shiraev. Was kind of one of the young mm. Russians to watch come Urban. up. Yeah, um, so he, I think he took a couple losses to him, um, and then he also lost mm. to Shakiev too. I just looked it up at um, twenty twenty Russian nationals. He was down at sixty five. I think he can't make that uh, pull. I mean, he was huge, but yeah. that that Olympic run was uh, absolutely electric. Sixteen was the day before, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was doing it for um, Kudakov. Right. The, all the Assetians had the Kudakov T shirts. Kudakov is uh, Besik. He had a metal stripped, unfortunately, due to doping. But uh, I think is like a, a three or four time world Olympic champ uh, from a set. He died in a car accident, still in his twenties, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was yeah, a great it was run. Fun to watch. So we're all going um, so Rashidov. Yeah, I think I think we're all going Rashidov here. Fair to say. Yep. But so, he's not. He's not untouchable. It he's, could not, be. he's not untouchable. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I forgot he lost to um, uh, YBR, right? In oh, 20... that was, yeah, that gave me life. That because was in the World 20... Finals. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, no, because I, I had said um, he was a two-time world champ, so I misspoke there. That's my bad. Um, but, yeah, that match was awesome. Bone as a 35-year-old young man getting it done. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 So, he, he, uh yeah, man, I wish we got some more years of Bone. That was he. He was electric. Yeah, who's Absolutely. to say he's done, right? <laughs> Actually, you know, would did he hit a high flyer on Tony Ramos? Like two in a row, I think. Two in a row. That's you know, I showed the high flyer. I was doing my elevator series at practice last night with our youth kids because uh, we're back to folk style because they're done with their stuff. And uh, I showed a high flyer, and you know, these kids are like, 
that would never work. Tell me the time that that's happened. And I've, I had a handful of times uh, in my back pocket, but I forgot Tony Ramos YBR. I, I should have brought that one up. Wasn't it Beat the Streets? Beat the Streets. The yes, salsa in the row. square. And it happened, I think, yes. twice in that match. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. That was a rough one, but. I mean, that's Bonet for you. It was so much fun. Also, yeah, have your kids never heard of Dylan Ness? Well, I tried telling it was that's almost a little too old for him. So I brought him up. He would do it more off the bottom. The elevator shoes up where you elevate. Yeah, up he would like stand up and reach arm. back. Is that yeah. how you showed it? You were like, yes, you stand up, you well, reach back, you throw yourself right to your back, <laughs> and you stay there for like one to two seconds, and then you finally kick. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, so I mean, my, I, yeah, he has a great elevator series. And so I, I did bring up Dylan Ness when I was talking about the one on, on the mat, you know, but then off of the high crotch, I, you know, they were like, that seems like garbage. They would just push the foot here or move the knee there. And I'm, I'm like, no, it's not that easy. You guys are oversimplifying the, the techniques that are in play. And then I brought up a few times, but I did not remember why we are. I would love to hear like a match strategy conversation between Chandler Rogers and Dylan Ness. Just like have him, oh, have him share. Like, here's what I think of when I go to my back. But, yeah. uh, Kozak, did, well, did you listen to the show yesterday? Because I brought up that yeah. Uh, yeah. Chandler Rogers was here, and he said, in the first 30 seconds, one of us is going to our back. Yeah. And I had just been trying, I had just been trying to talk all the kids in my club out of that mentality. Like, dude, it's a six minute match. Like, I'm literally, I mean, I've literally in the last month had to say so many times, like, listen, guys. I don't want to do it, and I'm sure you don't either. But we might have to win a match two to two, or three to two, or four to three, or three to three. Like we might have to do that at Fargo. We might have to get down to the nitty gritty, get in our stance, and win these close matches. We can't just start shooting if we're not scoring the first thirty seconds. We can't start diving in. Right. And Chandler Rogers says, "Listen, one of us is getting put on our back in the first thirty seconds." And I'm like, "Oh, damn." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was funny. All right, right, we're going to uh, Dakin Sitikov. The match of Tokyo. Is this everyone's most anticipated match? Uh, for Well, it's in the semis, though, not the finals, so I think that takes something away from it. You mean if there's dual oh, meet or no, just no. what we want to see in the Olympics? Yeah, we don't know yet where Dake's going to be. We don't in know the, where yet. In the bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But so that means that well, they could have Chimizo for he so he could Dake's gonna be on Chimizo's side or Sitikov's side because Chimizo's one, Sitikov's two. So right. um yeah. That makes it interesting because then one of those matches will happen to have to happen pre finals. So I think yes, yeah, I mean for uh, from an American perspective, that's seventy four is the most fun. Um, because we don't know where Dake's gonna draw in it, get drawn in. He's gonna have to beat one of those guys in the semis and one in the finals. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking you could argue, some might say 125 as well. Mm, there's a lot of yeah. questions about Gable. Yeah, and he's going to have the same scenario the same, as, yeah. as Dake, where he's going to be on either Gino or Taha's side. Um, but, yeah, it is fun to think about even right now, knowing that Dake, if he wants to win gold, will have to probably go through both Chimizo and mm-hmm. Sitikov. So that, that gets me excited for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Dake. I hope all you guys aren't communists and you do the same. Um, man, D- Dake's just on fire. He hasn't really lost in quite a long time. Um, 
his style, you know, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a, uh, a 2-2, 3-2, something like that. Like, I, there's no way I foresee this being a high-scoring match. Um, and I think Dave can be disciplined, get the positions he needs to get to and score. He's going he's gonna to need one takedown and a push-out to win this or something like that. Yeah. And my thing is... Dick's just wrestling out of his mind right now, and I just don't see how. I feel like Sitikov will need two takedowns, um, at least, because I see Dick getting like a takedown and a push out or something like that. I don't envision a scenario where Sitikov takes him down twice. Maybe he gets to his outside step, high crouch once, uh, but. I don't see it happening twice, so give me Kyle Dake. Man, I, I would love to see them. Um, I know this, this scenario is unlikely to happen in a match. I would love to see them just wrestle from uh, that outside step high crotch that he shoots because <laughs> Dake is so strong defensively, and he has, he's got great balance, he has great flexibility, and he's got great power. That's kind of like a trifecta of things in there. And uh it's but you know Sinikov gets in so deep where his hips are really under his shoulders i would love to see them battle in there and see, and see what happens because actually i've been working with keegan and he's getting really good at that outside step and it's it's freaking when they get in super deep it's really hard to start locking chest wraps and other stuff um so i would love to see them wrestle from there but i think dake will be like uh I, well i know how dake thinks he's gonna say i'm, I'm just not gonna let him get there that's what yeah. he's gonna you know he's gonna be able to slow him down there where he's not gonna if get the outside step trying to game plan if you're Sitikov I would say try to get to it but close to the edge and get step outs yes. maybe get your step out and then kind of try something big maybe get two or four after that um, but e- even there even Kyle Dake on one foot on the edge is so absurdly good that it does not make sense yeah I think Dake's strength is probably what um would do it for him. But I have already decided that I'm picking Sitikov to win gold, and I'm going to stick by it and wow. be the Russian defector here. I'm sorry. But maybe, look, I like a lot of times when I pick guys, that ends up inspiring the other guy to win just to prove me wrong because <laughs> that happens so many times. So maybe this is good luck for everybody. You want me to pick against Dake. Uh, but I think the, it's going to be super defensive. It's going to be super low scoring. And, um, you know, Sitikov got that ice in his veins. It is true. He does have clutch gene one factor. Yeah. But I, I certainly don't think it's going to be, um, you know, more than a point or, you know, two at max or whatever. Probably a, a criteria. Yeah, I like the matchup for Dake. Um, you know, you guys kind of already talked about it a lot. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick him. But one of the things that I was just thinking about, and Spay, I know you brought it up um, over the, the past week or so with Yazdani's draw at the 2016 Olympics, and that's kind of where he got just, like, the perfect draw there, a really nice draw. And when on the other side, you had Burroughs and Godoyev, and I think even Shabanov was in there. And that's one of those things where, man, so much of it could depend on the draw. And Let them cannibalize themselves and then have ex- your perfect match. Exactly, yeah, to where yep. even even that Burroughs match with Godoyev, where there was so much blood time and that was like the perfect scenario to beat Jordan Burroughs is just make it a match where it gets stopped every 15 seconds oh yeah that was clearly I mean I would love to do a deep dive on that bracket because I've thought about it quite a bit 
but yeah, to to you know, the game plan is to get in Burroughs' face, make it not about the wrestling, mm-hmm. make it about you know all the other nonsense that they pull. Right. Um, and yeah, that you know, but those that's part of the strategy, you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So I'm picking I'm picking Dig, but I mean, the, and and the other side of it is this is a match we could see in the very first round. They could get drawn right into a la Yazdani in 2018. Uh, yeah, with, with Taylor. David Taylor. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, which I'm, is I'm almost good for the time zone thing. Like for whether you, you're going to be able to watch it or not. Yeah, yeah. true. Neither stay oh, up really? late. What? East Coast, it's going to start at 10 like? p.m. So if you so if you, if if you're not going to stay up until you know three four a.m. Break dawn, yeah. Whatever, yeah, you're going to want it to happen early and stay up a little bit late. But we'll be. And when are the time. finals? Finals are like at five. They start at five fifteen. So depending on when, if you're a, a gold medal match, Eastern time. 5.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Son of a... <laughs> uh, what a great beat to let that sink in. <laughs> yeah. Spade, Spade oh. you just put the schedule up, right? Yeah. So, and then I put who's wrestling. Oh, come on. When you might see him. But, you know, they'll drag out or, you know, there'll be matches in between. And, and I think they'll probably only use one mat when they get to the medal matches. So, if you're the gold medal match of you know one of the last of the three weights they, they're doing three weights every day so you know it could be closer to 8 9 a.m on the east coast um maybe 10 a.m 11 you know west coast you're in better shape but yeah it's it's Wait, you think it's gonna last that long in the mornings well then and then adding like hours as you go west in the time zone but you know that morning session they do i think they're gonna do repishage and then bronze and then gold so hmm Interesting. It may be drawn out. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the night session, so that's 9 p.m. Central for us. The night session is not going to last all that long if they're only going two rounds. Right? Uh, I mean, it's correct. only going to last, what, two, three hours? Yeah, so round of 16 and quarterfinals, uh, three weight classes. And then, uh, sorry, they do the semifinals in the morning. And then the uh, the metal matches for the repechage of metal matches. Yeah. yeah, well, the repechage they do the thing before. It's really confusing because mm. uh, it's like um, there's two sessions, but because of the time difference, like one day's morning session is actually our next day session. Well, and that's different too yes. than than World Championships where they do semis in the evening and then they come back the next day, right? And do metal matches and finals. Yeah. So they're doing the whole tournament in in one day. I haven't thought about that. Until. No, it's it's still two Wait. days. Oh, is no, it still no, two no, days? No, no. It's, it's still like two days. Just... yeah, it's oh, almost okay. like four sessions. Oh, okay, I got you. All right. So you start with your prelim quarterfinals, and then in that evening you're going to do the semifinals. All right. So only the first yeah. day then will be really quick because they'll just have the semis and it'll get done early, and then the second day it'll make be a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. All right. I bad. It's not. It, Ooh, you don't have to put it all together, but you can look at the schedule and hopefully just know exactly when whoever's going to wrestle that you want to see, or yeah. when when it's. We got out. funky fresh camp. That's going to be a, a long week for me, boy. <laughs> no <laughs> sleep. No sleep <laughs> at all. Rough. All right, back to these picks. We'll move on. Eighty-six. Um, probably this our heavyweight is Team USA's biggest. Um, favorite, biggest chance at bonus, whatever you want to say. David Taylor versus Arter Nifonov. 
These two have actually wrestled before. I believe it's the only Team USA versus Team Russia Olympic team matchup. Yes. Like that, the two starters have hit before. Well, um, Snyder and Sedulayev. Well, yeah, aside from Snyder and I think so. Um, Um, Yeah. So when you guys said biggest upset before of uh, Oliver over uh, Oliver over Rashidov, I feel like this is a huge upset too. If David Taylor were to lose to Nefanov, that would be like maybe I'm being biased right now, but it would be very shocking to me. Yes, that is true. I was thinking biggest Team USA over Russia. Yeah. Um. Sure. Upset. But actually, I would still pick. I would still say this is maybe less of an upset. I don't know. The only thing I see Nifonov going for him, or what you know, his biggest advantage is that he's young and and still improving, um, and uh, potentially at the you know the ascending part of his aging curve. uh, But otherwise, I don't. Unless he comes up with something new, something that we haven't seen from him before, I don't think he's dynamic enough. I don't think he applies enough pressure. Uh, and I think David Taylor, when he's when he's wrestling well at 86 kilograms, is, is just a uh, an absolute sight. So yeah, to me, it's a fairly easy one. I mean, nothing's out of the out of the question. But this is Taylor. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong in saying this. I feel like David might be wrestling a little bit tighter um, than he has in the past. This past kind of year, he's had uh, a few more close matches. Mm. Um, and I'm just like saying this off the top of my head. I can't even give examples, but I do think we will see the best version of David Taylor in Tokyo, and that is much better than the best version of Nifanov. The Fair clip statement. we just showed, um, Taylor won fourteen to four, and I believe that was twenty eighteen. Uregan twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? I think it was. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Uregan Nifanov actually gets the first takedown. Uh, but Taylor ends up getting on top and doing a bunch of folk-style turns. Actually, he cradled him, he, and he barm tilted him a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, <clears throat> and if you want to make a case for Nafanov, is that was we three don't. and a half. We actually don't want to make a case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. We yeah. Don't. But as as JD was talking, you know, that was three and a half years ago. And then his point, we haven't seen David as dominant. Um, we haven't seen him wrestle as much, period, as he was yeah. during that 2016, 2017, 2018 run where he was looking like, you know, where he was the best guy in the world. But since he came back from from injury, he hasn't had um, that many matches and in, in fact he's only had I'm, I'm looking at it right now he's only had 13 since that 13 matches since Dang, that um that's crazy. Trials, so, Pan Ams, and then the cards the card yeah so i mean that's one of the things where it's like i don't know if you want to compare to what he was doing in 2018 where he was wrestling so much and was looking so dominant and now he hasn't had as many matches kind of been a little tighter um so i i don't know i, I still favor taylor i think it'll be a huge shock if he were to lose uh, to Nafanov, but I definitely uh, something to consider, something to think about. I would say that might definitely. even work in David's favor, having less wear on the yeah, tire, on the tread. Um, you know, he's he's uh, getting a little bit up there. I don't want to sell him short on the age thing, but um, you know, maybe now's the time where maybe you taper off the number of matches that you wrestle, and it, it, it may help keep him fresh. Or wrestle a lot because yeah. I like to watch you wrestle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That too. All right. 
97. We all went Taylor there, right? Officially. Yes. Yes. Officially. Mm-hmm. 97. The trilogy. Al Snyder, Abdul Rashid, Saad Jalayev. Is anybody going to pull the trigger on Kyle Snyder? So I feel like, obviously, I want to pick Kyle Snyder, but I feel as though intellectually it's kind of like what what reason could I use to back up my argument? Okay. Um, I'll give you, know you saying? Like, I'll give you one. Go for it. America. <laughs> reason, number, reason number two. Touche. Um, the way – Kyle won in 2017. You could say if he doesn't get thrown to his back and pinned, um, that you know maybe he would have won in 2018 because he the way Kyle beats Hachalev is he wears him down and beats yeah. him on points. He didn't get that opportunity in 2018, so you say don't give up <laughs> that outside peak and. That's your game plan. You wear him out. You could say, hey, we didn't get to see him do that in 2018. But if we yeah, did, I've, so, you, mean, so you're I banking on Sajjalayev not getting up too big or pinning um, yeah. Kyle Snyder, and that's your – you think he's going to do that. And that's So, I mean, I think that's the obvious, like, path to victory. Um, and, you know, I, I so I think, the, like, the small argument you could make is, well, you know, Sajjalayev didn't look that great in that most recent tournament that they went to. And that would be your your small argument. But then it's like, well, if you want to make an argument against Kyle, um, you know, it was just January and he got roughed up by uh, from Mohammedan, and you know, so he he didn't look that great there at all. And man, it's really hard to foresee a scenario where and listen, it could happen. It's happened before. It happened in 2017. It could happen again. But just like. Saying we're going to pick it, I feel like it's a, a total – and listen, I'm okay with being, making a homer pick, but I feel like it's a total homer pick. You can call it a homer pick, but uh, you saw me go against an American at 74, and I'm going to say <laughs> the the Mohammedan win that our loss was, uh, what, over a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. I agree with JD that uh, getting rolled to your back and pin makes it very hard to win a match. Uh, and as <laughs> long as – yeah, as long as, long as Kyle avoids getting pinned in you know the first minute or so, uh, that definitely increases his odds of winning. And I think he's uh, you know he's the type of guy that's gonna deconstruct everything he's been as a wrestler and what we saw about him that has been in the Penn State room for a while now has had Kale, I'm sure, uh, and and um, yeah. Jake and and Casey, everybody trying to like this is this is a guy that's been at the pinnacle that he's still one of the most elite guys and one of the, you know one of the best ever when you just look at all of his accolades and he's still super young. So he has the ability to break down what hasn't been working and rebuild himself up back new. And I saw sat alive in his last few uh, competitions. He did not look uh, like the invincible tank. That's just going to steamroll through everyone. Um, you know, on paper, he's still the favorite. If you were making odds, if you were Vegas, you would make the odds in Satellite's favor. But I'm going to go ahead and say I'm picking Kyle Snyder now. That's my marker. I'm going to make the same pick for the Olympics when they come out. And maybe uh, it looks foolish. I don't know. In hindsight, we'll all find out. But right now, I'm going Kyle Snyder. There you go. Wow. That's my reasoning. Andrew, Thank America, Spay. Thank you. We need some more patriotism on this I, podcast right now. I want to pick Kyle I just can't do it. I, this is one of like my least confident picks. So I think I'm more confident in Dake than I am in Sajalayev. 
um, it's like 60-40 um, for me leaning Saj Live, but I'm still leaning Saj Live, and he's my pick. Yeah, but Like uh, I said, I, I don't think it's like a done deal. I don't think this is a blowout. Um, it, it's still very much up for grabs and in the air, at least in my mind. Um, so I, I don't really like it, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick Sedgelayev. Wow. Um, I, I would love to see myself prove wrong, but I don't think Kyle has given us what we need to kind of think the other direction. And now he slowed down a little bit. Like he didn't totally dominate. Uh, was it Ulanu day or whatever tournament they were just at? Um, Aliyev, sorry, the Aliyev. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think he's so so good, so dominant. I hope Kyle can slow him down, gas him out. I would be partying up in my house if that happens. <laughs> uh, but I'm picking Sajulayev. Wow, are we are we shooting this podcast from Red? Is this Red Square? Are we in <laughs> Moscow right now, or are we in America? Uh, I don't know. I can't tell at the moment. Shut up! You pick Sitikov. <laughs> that was like two whole picks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, everything in my in my head is saying Sajulayev, but my heart, which I have always followed, says Kyle Snyder. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Snyder. Um, yeah, because because of my my heart. Wow. Okay. You fools. <laughs> I'm kidding. Like I said, I, I don't pick. I don't hate it. One twenty-five. Gable Stevenson versus Sergey Zirev. Um. I. I think uh, Gable is probably a favorite here. The only real concern or question mark that one might have going into this, we haven't seen Gable too much on the senior level international scene. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the other guy at all, and I've seen Gable, and he looks outstanding. So uh, <laughs> I don't I – would, I wouldn't put Gable as the favorite if I was making the betting odds because of the other guys in the in the bracket. Um, but I think he's probably the third best um, kind of outside looking in, and I think he can definitely beat the Petrosvili and Taha. Yeah, Ben um... – I you know I I look at results a ton and I try to compile them and build all those records and everything like that. And Kozirev his his results are so scarce. Um, since since 2018, I think he only has 16 senior level matches. Um, like Dang. we said, he was a cadet in 2018. So it's like mm-hmm. I I'm really surprised they chose to go with him with Kozirev. Yeah. He. He barely won Russian nationals in a field that um, they had another guy, Sharipov, wasn't in, and he he barely won um, that that tournament. And so, like, I thought they were going to send both of those guys to an international tournament like Poland yeah. or like the Aliyev and kind of sort it out there, but they just chose to go with Kozirev. Um, so I think I don't think he is a, a medal lock at all. Um, I don't view him the same way that I view Gable. Um, so I I think Gable's a huge favorite here. Um, yeah. Just my opinion. And, and we haven't seen a ton of, of Stevenson on the senior level, but his uh, his style is just so perfect for freestyle. Uh, mm-hmm. His footwork is so fast and strong and positioning. And, um, 
you know, he can he can change levels as good as any any heavyweight I could remember seeing. And yeah, Kazirev, you see how short the leash is. Shapiro uh, Sharipov, I think, was the guy, and then uh, he lost in a tournament, and then Kazirev went out and qualified, right? Yeah. And yep. but he hasn't looked dominant. I mean, maybe you know you can say he's young. Uh, well, I mean, he is young, uh, so maybe. You know, shows up with some new tricks, but yeah, this is definitely the weak link in the Russian team. You know, he could still medal, uh, definitely. I don't see him, um, you know, taking out more than a couple of the big, um, the the superstars in the heavyweight bracket. So this is Gable Stevenson for me. Pretty easy call. Yep. So, uh, what would that bring? Oh, I think I went three and three. I went split. three three. <clears throat> I think I went we need two. a seventh match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so, I went. I think I went four two. I think I only picked the first two. Yeah. There we so, go, Kozak. You're you're a real American hero. Yeah, and it. you didn't pick uh, your your uh, your cousin, My Kozak Kozirev. Yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, yeah. Somewhere back there, you got to have some sort of relation. All right, but. Spay went three and three too, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, I flip flopped my. So, uh, well, compared to you guys, I didn't do any flip flopping. I'm staying consistent with my picks, as you'll see when the actual Olympic picks come out as well. <laughs> but yes, I went Sidikov instead of Dake and Snyder instead of Satellite. So it would come down to criteria. Criteria. Who's going to get the bonus points? Uh, David Taylor. There you go. <laughs> Lock it up. Boom. There we go. America um, wins. That was fun. <laughs> that was, I mean, well, let's hope it happens in real life. Um, man, we're less than a, uh, a month away from the Olympics. Uh, and now I'm really this morning. I wake up at 4.15 a.m. to watch it, the finals uh, and semis. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to get it done. This only happens once every five years now. Uh, yeah. Or once every three, depending on how you look at it. Next time. Yeah, knock on wood, J.D. Knock on all the wood. <laughs> hmm. All right, Kozak, you're also doing some cool stuff, um, coming out with some cool articles about historical Olympic um, data. We don't have to dive too deep into mm-hmm. this stuff, but I kind of just wanted to touch on it maybe a little bit, take a quick look, and maybe kind of pump up your articles and people go look at them. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. We're kind of going through a wait a week leading up to the Olympics, and so I don't know if you guys have – looked at those um and what your what your major thoughts or takeaways are from there i only went back 20 years and um i kind of had to mash up some of the weights just because they've changed throughout the Mm -hmm. years but i think i think i did a good enough job of uh of of making those old ones um translate to the new ones but um kind of the theme is obviously russia's the best but i think it's always one of the things i like is looking at the trends um and who's been dominant, who's kind of come on the last 10 years. So I don't know, any any major thoughts or questions from from those? Did anything surprise you when you were compiling this that maybe you didn't see coming? Um, so in, like, so, like, in different weight classes, you can kind of see different, like, little themes come up. So in 57, the theme was no one individual – is staying at the top for more than two years in a row. Uh, But then at 97, which I haven't released yet, it should come out in a couple days, 97 is like the opposite theme, whereas like it's only, it's like dominated by one guy for for years at a time. Yeah, so you had Gatsalov, and then 
you have Snyder and then you had uh, Gazimov in there and now Sajulayev. So like it's like that the dominant guy at the top and then everybody else. Uh, so I, I think stuff like that is, is pretty interesting. That, that is really interesting because when you look at uh, – I actually clicked on the one link you had um, where it links to the Soviet Union wrestling success. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you see very little people. There's been a couple historically who stuck around at the lightest weight class, but lots of times, to your point, it's two years, three years. It's it's not long, you know, where they stick around and they have success. Whereas then you look in the middle and upper weights, it's like you had uh, Arsen Fadzayev for a decade in a row, or Mar Makarbek Kadartsev for like mm-hmm. a decade in a row. Like you have these guys who are going on these really long runs of a decade in a row and down to the lighter weights, like it looks like three or four is the maximum amount of uh, world, you know, Russian teams that someone qualifies for. I think part of that is the window you have as an athlete of that size and how much is uh, depending on your quickness, Mm -hmm. your speed, your fast twitch and stuff like that. And if that takes even a slight step back, it makes a huge difference. Whereas maybe you can get away with a little bit more at, you know, 86, 97. Yeah, for a nice baseball analogy, uh, since you bring up, uh, you know, transitioning from a, you know, relying on your speed, which is one of the first skill sets to kind of uh, fall victim to that aging curve that I brought up a few times, is the Barry Bonds move where you go from a speedster, you go from, you know, hit for more average and steal bases than you do hit for power and, and get walks and, and stuff like that. And then he was able to bulk up. We all know how he did it. I don't recommend that or encourage Woo! anybody to take the, the Barry Bonds super, route. Super vitamins. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, leaving the super vitamins alone. Maybe like, Ken Griffey Jr. would have been a little bit better um, yeah, analogy. You can assume anybody from that baseball era, but they were probably, I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Griffey, do you think Griffey like on the cost. juice? I don't know is what I'm saying is that I would not put, you know, nothing would surprise me from that. Maybe he was just better at it and didn't take the ones that made your head explode and, and, you know, totally (laughs) change your body. He was a little more subtle about it. But anyway, yeah, you you, you then, you know, you go from hitting for average and stealing base to hit for power. And, you know, it's tougher in wrestling if you're a 57 guy that you rely on super quick moves and scrambling. You can't just be like, all right, well, now I'm a heavyweight and I'm just going to rely on, you know, push outs and low scoring bouts. Um, you can move up a weight class, maybe two, but then, you know, with only six, you're kind of out of options. Yeah, that's for sure. Very but uh, I like the I like reading about 74 just because it's, you know, it's good for the USA. And then you just see how tough it is with uh, with Russia in there and then the ex-Soviet countries. And uh, I think it's going to it's going to be tougher to dominate even in the future because. You know, in the Soviet era, you only had basically one guy. Once you get by him, you're almost yeah. guaranteed a medal. Uh, and then Russia maintains, you know, kind of a stranglehold on a lot of the talent. And you don't leave unless you can't be the number one. But more and more guys are, are transferring. It's opening up a little bit more. It's like a whole new kind of era we're entering. And, you know, will that make it tougher to stay on top when the the talent is concentrated in more or you know not as concentrated in just one or a couple countries? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And I'm going to do kind of like a wrap-up of all the weights and everything together once, you know, it's all done to kind of look at the whole. Um, but I think the major theme is obviously the 2000s were rough for the United States um, in, in freestyle in that they didn't bring home a ton of medals. But we're beginning to see the 
the upward trend of that to where our best guys are bringing home medals year after year after year. And 74 is a really good analogy for where we're, we're going is that, you know, you have Burroughs where he was, you know, medaled eight out of the last nine years. And now you have Dake where you can plug him right in and he's, you know, just as good. He, he should challenge for a medal, should challenge for gold. And that's what Russia's been doing for, for years where they have a guy who's the best in the world and then he moves up in weight or he retires and they have their number two or their number three plug right in and win world gold. And we're getting there. And I think that's where the trend is, is showing and will kind of continue to show. Um, but I don't know if we're at Russia's level just yet. And like this graph right here is insane. That's up on the screen. This is from 2010 to 2019. And you think about Burroughs started his run in 2011 and Russia still has just as many medals and one less gold, um, which is crazy to think about when you think about the run Burroughs went on from, like, well, yeah, I mean, to, to Kozak's point, though, that he has made, it's like uh, Burroughs was an anomaly for us, for sure, when he came out, the, a guy that's going to medal that many times in a row. It's only happened a few times in American history, whereas the Russians have just a, another guy and another guy and another guy that they just keep putting in there, and that's essentially exactly what happened at this weight class. So Burroughs has stood kind of the test of time, right? Now, now Dave took over, and hopefully he can run that torch with us, and hopefully America can start doing that where when one of our superstars – retires it's not a drop off it's just okay next guy in and then they can go win medals but russia has i mean if you look at 74 actually i, ha I have it up of over the course of the last 20 years right so it was satiev actually had a, a really long run but then after satiev you had a whole bunch of guys who didn't stay around very long but were really good so mercilev won one world title in 2007 then sargush comes in and wins two world titles, but then he kind of becomes ineffective. So then they tried Kubetsi, who didn't do very well. Sargush comes back. Then you had Gadeev, who did really well. And then now they have Sitikov, you know? So just like the next person, the next person, the next person. Yeah, it was very demoralizing when Jamalov came out of nowhere, and you're like, what? Another one of these guys? Uh, we mm -hmm. just, we Seriously. just, we're just figuring out how to do with Sitikov here. And you're telling me there's another guy in Sabalov. Yeah. And you do, um, Looking at that, uh, you're talking about the Wikipedia entry, right, Ben? That you, you know you're yeah, looking at uh -huh. there. It's uh, it's amazing how many guys they go one and done, and then they're transferred. Uh, Shamil Kudimagomedov did not place 2013. Then he went to Russia or uh, Italy. Um, didn't do a whole lot there. Uh, Kadi Magomedov uh, did not make the medal stand in 2017 at mm -hmm. 70 kilos. Now he's at Belarus, where there's a bunch of other Belarus or uh, uh, former Russians. Um, and you wonder if there's some of these other guys that are going to make a similar move that also did not uh, make the podium. Uh, yeah. Another another quick point I wanted to make up, similar to you know the trends of of countries and how you know who can get you know Russia is the gold standard, you know going back to the Soviet Union days of just having guys to plug in. Uh, I feel like Iran was getting there in uh, you know the late 2000s, early you know 2010s, where they were having ton like you know, good success, being able to bring in new guys. Um, at a lot of different weights, but I think they almost got too quick of a leash. I think they got too um, yeah. too quick not to give guys a chance, and it's starting to burn guys out, and they kept promoting. And Azerbaijan, I think, fell into that trap a little bit too, but they import a lot more guys, and they get a lot more transfers. Iran, I don't think, ever gets any of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because you probably think they took their lead from Russia, and if you look like through this historical chart, there's very few guys who don't do well, and they get another shot. 
right? I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe two years. And then maybe sometimes like Urbeck Farnia, for example, he won. And then, you know, Mertz Aliyev was that weight class for a few years. And then they put Farnia back in and he didn't do well for two years. But like, there's not very many guys who are getting, not doing well for two years. And then they're still getting put in, right? They're usually, if you don't do, if you don't do well for a year or two, like you're out and you ain't never coming back. Yeah. It is, it's a uh, doggy dog out there. And, and, um, you know, I think if Iran showed a little bit more patience and not tried to be Russia, because you know very few countries have that that talent pool and they have that depth, then they would be in a better shape than than trying to promote all their cadet and junior guys faster than maybe they should in the developmental phase. Yeah. But you know, that's Absolutely. armchair stuff. Hard to you know know yeah. without being as involved in those programs. Yeah, I uh, and Spay, you might know this too, or even more than I do about the Iranian kind of system and um, the support that they have. But I think I think the lack of support for uh, the Iranian wrestling team and funding uh, has to do with maybe some of their guys fizzling out. I read some of like the Iranian wrestling like papers and things like that. And there's been multiple guys that say, I compete and my father supports me. Uh, I don't make <laughs> any money for competing for Iran. And these are guys who have represented Iran on the, you know, the world or Olympic team. And so I think some of it just speaks to that. It's just like, it's not worth it for them to stay around long-term, especially if they have one or two years where they are not successful, then they're, then they're for sure not going to get any support. Um, so I think there's there's some of that, just resources and funding. It's a global Iran. thing, yeah. It's not just the U.S. and it's not just Iran. Mm-hmm. I know Azerbaijan, they had basically like a uh, a sit-in where they, the whole team said, we're not, you know, you got to pay us. You said, you know, we have contracts and Azerbaijan was going through a you know, there a lot of their checks come from the government. They were going through a rough patch, and they withheld their paychecks. And you didn't see Azerbaijan out on the mat. Haji Aliyev, I think, was thinking about retiring because he was upset about the pay. Uh, yeah, it's everywhere, and and I think you're keeping up with all the Iranian stuff pretty well, John. So um, I think I think you got your uh, your finger on the pulse there. It's it's a tough sport, and then you know, getting support, uh, you know can't take it for granted anywhere and there's very few exceptions where guys get you know as much all around the world even in russia uh the support that that um you know would uh would would be commensurate with the amount of effort that it takes to get to the top of the sport yeah i mean that that's huge and that's even something in america i think that we we took for granted or didn't acknowledge for a while and now you're seeing with the RTC programs being so supportive of athletes, we're having way more athletes stick around for a much longer period of time. And that's going to be, you know, it's already been hugely beneficial and it's going to continue to be moving forward. So, so yeah, so I, I didn't realize the Russians are, sorry, the Iranian support was so bad. I actually would have guessed, because I don't read the Iranian articles. You guys are pretty hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> that it was the opposite <laughs> way that in a country that loves wrestling that much, that they would be very supportive of, of their athletes. So that kind of surprises me. I think they're supportive. I think they just, um, you know, they run out of. There's not a lot of money mm-hmm. sloshing around in the entire country for for um, for sports in general. And and yeah. but Kozak is very hardcore. He showed me some of the the stuff he found. You know, Google Translate for as as rough it as it is trying to read Russian articles. It's even rougher when you're trying to read Farsi, which is um, <laughs> even more difficult to translate when you're relying on a computer. So you got to dig deep. Yeah, so th- GDP per capita in, in Iran is only fifty five hundred dollars for the whole year. So, uh, man, they must have really not have any support because you think if like the average GDP is fifty five hundred or, or per person is fifty five hundred, then hell, you give those dudes like 
12 grand a year they double the average yeah they're living, they're living like kings and just like a lot of uh, other countries a lot of the iranian wrestlers come from place you know they're not from tehran where most of the money is concentrated uh mazandaran yeah. on the uh Southern shores of the Caspian Sea is where a lot of the wrestlers from uh, Yazdani's from. There. <laughs> I love your geography. The Southern you gotta, shores of the hey, Caspian Sea. It's, about, it's about fantastic. Time. I got to use it in these opportunities. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, they're and they're not coming from the most uh, wealthy regions of of Iran either. Um, so it it doesn't make it easy. Got it. Yeah, one of the uh, the articles I just pulled up was is Yazdani talking about the support and. He says, I complained several times, but to no avail. And then he just really? he says, I don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Dude. Yazdani was like rich or something. Like he was sponsored by car companies and everybody else in, in Iran. Yeah. Not a lot yeah. of car companies in Iran, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like someone's got to buy cars somewhere in Iran, Spay. The Russians stay getting cars for their winnings. Oh, yeah. Not always a lot of either. Sometimes, you know, a Toyota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. All, All right. right. We have uh, cues from F, so we're going to run out of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say we're closing in. Um, so let's get those questions from friends. The first one from Adam Rush. Is David Taylor the only one to beat Shrifov? Is there another current American wrestler to have beaten two Olympic champions? Now, when I got excited, I saw that when I saw this question, I got excited because no, David Taylor is not the only American to beat Shrifov. Jake Herbert. Did it once, and we have a hilarious hey, clip go. to play. Go ahead and run this, Tyler. Sorry if you're just listening to this, but look at look at this offense, this setup from Herbert. He does the look over there, look over there. What? Huh? Uh, shoot! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Didn't work. Wait, but what was going on work. there? He's just nothing. What? That's his setup. Look over there, and then he shoots a double. <laughs> He literally nah, does this the dude's point. Yelling, something's there. going on. Something's going on. Because look at this dude right in the beginning of the screen that's pointing around. Yeah. Yeah, see this guy's over here yelling. Oh, boo. Yeah, uh, Tony Rotundo uh, clued me off to this a while back. Um, and, and so credit credit to him. But, yeah, it's certainly a great setup. Tremendous. And he won the match. Yeah. He beat nice Tarifov. Big facts. Something Kale, um, Kyle, and Jayton couldn't do. <laughs> yes, Tarifov's hit list is ridiculous. Also, um, for the second part of the question, uh, no, Kyle Snyder um, has beaten two Olympic champions as well, Saj Live and Jake Varner. Mm, boom. I nice. think that's it, though, for current American wrestlers. Yes. Yeah, yeah not even Burroughs or, or Dake. No, that, that one had to – I had to do some research on to double-check. Now, after this Olympics, um, depending on how uh, Dake – and Taylor do, uh, they could both become, get added to that list as well as Burroughs um, because they've all kind of beaten each other. Mm -hmm. So if they go win gold, then they had a couple there. All right, this one from Lefty Strat 5. RBY, YBR, and RBG, round robin, in their prime, who wins? So RBG, this is a joke, right? Because that's the uh, that's yes, the, judge. the Supreme Court. Maybe. Yeah, she wrestled. <laughs> she wrestled and, back in the day. <laughs> I think uh, she wrestled with some real as, difficult constitutional <laughs> questions. That's right. God, as good as uh, our uh, RBY is, Boney Rodriguez, primetime Boney Rodriguez was so fire. Mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. RBY is there yet. 
the thing is, though, he took some weird losses. And he did. Yeah, I think he lost to high ceiling, uh, low oh, floor. Yeah, low so floor. just depends. But on the, on Kozak, the day. he's Cuban, so you know what that means. And right? it, it also says in their prime. <laughs> that means if RBY brings a big enough paycheck, yeah, then he's gonna win. Yeah, that's another. But if we actually, that's yeah. another trend. If you look at the amount of uh, silvers for Cuba. Over the oh last 20 years, it's unreal. Silvers and bronzes. <laughs> no, lots yeah. of silvers and bronze. No gold. Lopez, most notoriously. Yeah. The goat. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> you telling me the one true goat, Mihan Lopez, couldn't have won that match? Rizikalyap? Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Anything could happen when you step on the mat. That's right. This <laughs> from FRL is the best. Thank you. Great handle. <laughs> Could Gable receive his 250k bonus for winning the Olympics and still come back to college? The same bonus that Snyder had to forfeit to still compete at Ohio State. One, Snyder did not forfeit. It goes to like a fund or something and you get it when you graduate. And I would assume that it's still the same soon as how you cannot directly get paid yes. to compete. You can only make it off your name, image, and likeness. Agreed. I'm fairly certain there's like a specific carve out in the rule book. Because you know, they make all these amendments, and then when you actually read it, it's like, you know, provision one dash B dash four dash C, and then mm-hmm. it just goes on and on. And one of them is for that living the dream, and maybe it doesn't say living the dream specifically, but it's basically in there because they wanted to figure out a way to get living the dream funds to people. Right. From actual cannibal, Matt <laughs> Spirisso has the best taste in music on FRL. Does he have a favorite death metal band and or song? Hmm. First of all, great question. Um, great, great, uh, great listener. Great friend of the show. Uh, I don't death metal. Probably I was uh, just listening to Clutch on the way over here. They had their best of uh, from their early years, just re-released, which basically just means it's a playlist on Spotify. But as far as death metal, I hear good things about uh, Opeth, but I don't. Uh, nothing comes to mind. I wonder if I don't want Spade to hate me, but I don't know how people listen to death metal or I don't get it. I like it just hurts my brain. I can't do it. It's the I have trouble with the the lead singer that sounds like Cookie Monster as well. Like when he's just <laughs> growling into the mic. You know, uh I I think death metal, it's like if you're into it, you're really into it and it's totally your jam. Um, you know, I if it comes on, it's okay. I used to listen to uh uh, the Seton Hall University radio station back in New Jersey was uh, was a heavy metal uh, student-run station that only played heavy metal, and they would slip in some death metal, and I wouldn't mind. Um, but I, I I can't say it's you know my go-to, and more of like a groove rock clutch. Um, <laughs> ASG is something I've been listening to recently. So, but again, great question. We should uh, get more questions from Actual Cannibal. Uh, producer Tyler might be onto something, saying Ispay. The actual cannibal and has been just asking questions for the past however long to set himself up That's for this absurd. question That's when up. he came on the show. First of all, <laughs> Tyler, how dare you? Second of all, I, come on. He's been asking questions for a long time. This is a ridiculous long con just to get that question, which I didn't even know how to answer right because I'm not even a big death metal head guy. So nice try, Tyler. Come on. <laughs> From Miraculous165, Matt. If MMA is one of the most popular future for college wrestlers, do you think RTCs should hire a well-known wrestler that made his name in MMA and establish a duo training center for Olympic slash MMA aspirations? Ben, no, I, think... I hate I, I hate this. Uh, uh, thank idea. you. I do as well. <laughs> I was hoping that's what you would Shut say. Shut down. 
Uh, well, I just I think I think people should compete at wrestling, and then when they're ready to be done, then move to MMA. So, uh, you know, they're kind of in a way doing this in Happy Valley, right, where they are now building an American Top Team there. Oh, Nichols, and apparently, yes. they're bringing in big coach, big time coaches, and, and uh, in striking and jujitsu. But yeah, I mean, just the idea of doing them both at the same time is just not that good. And then, you know, if you're kind of just dabbling a little bit, maybe just kind of for fun once in a while, some jujitsu or some striking, but if you're doing too much of it, it's going to take away from your wrestling. And so if your goal is to really make a world and Olympic team, then do that. And then be if you want to go to MMA, then go do that. But just like trying to dabble in both at the same time. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really get it. It's like, and I think some of these guys who they, they're thinking about doing it. They wait way too long, you know? And it's just like, just go do it already. Like, and start when you're 22 or 23 or 24. Don't start when you're 30 years old. I mean, right? Obviously, Daniel Cormier did it. Uh, but again, we talk about he was at a, he was at a much heavier weight class, and I think that's probably why. In, at that weight class, you see people who are much older have success, whereas at the middle and lighter weights, you don't really see older people have a lot of success. So start early. Yeah, I was listening to um, Nickel talk about this on uh, Bash's podcast, and he was saying he he only intends to practice wrestling like two days a week still um yeah. and isn't even isn't is not planning on competing in in wrestling um at the world team trials or anything like that so i think that's his plan um and so i think that's like the real world example of the answer to this question when was this bash podcast i mean like a week or two ago oh okay well that yeah. i had not heard that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was news to me Okay, um, from EJ Newton, he's asked this um, question a couple times, asking for an update on Gilman's injury. Uh, we're not gonna know. We don't. We don't know. Um, can tell you he's gonna wrestle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can't. There's no. There's no world where Gilman says he's not 100 percent, or yeah. like if you ask him, or if he's you know if he's sitting right here. Uh, he's going to tell you he's ready to go. He's going to make sure that there are no excuses beforehand, and he's going to wrestle with every you know ounce of strength and and determination in his body, which should be really uh, awesome to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't, we're never going to get a satisfactory answer there. Never. If that, if you want to know exactly where his injury is, it's not for us to know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one's from Stringer's Burner, and it's actually a picture. <laughs> Of a clip out of an article calling Wade Chalice the father of funk. Does this mean he is Ben's dad? <laughs> uh, I I saw this question. I wished that I wish that there was more Wade Chalice um, scrambling footage. Right there's just no, you, there's no video of it, um, so you know that kind of stinks. But yeah, you know he invented the splaydle, uh, which doesn't really work anymore. And um, I don't know what else he invented, really. But um, so I hope my my inventions stay on the test of time, uh, and then we'll see. Long term, he is not the father. <laughs> yeah, I mean that would make him kind of the grandfather of the whole funky family, right, Ben? I mean you're you're expanding the, grand- the funk family. <laughs> there we go. Hey, but how did this announcement go so under the radar? Because that was the first time that I seen that uh, Jaden Ironman won the Shellis Award. And listen, that's the second biggest award in college wrestling. So I think Win Magazine should have made a little bigger deal of that because I didn't see that announced anywhere until that was posted yesterday. 
They Is anyone else fan? aware that they gave it away? They need a fan voting uh, component oh, to God. it. That's the only way. To... That'll help. Stop. It's all about the publicity. Just get eyeballs Engagement, on the Engagement, baby. That's right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they should have made a little uh, bigger thing. This is good. We play this video? Yep. Last thing before we go, um, I was looking for who actually called for it, and I couldn't find it. But someone asked if we had seen this video. I did watch this video last night. Good. Chael Sonnen posted about a minute-long video of Jordan Burroughs talking, and it's just another great example of how lucky we are. To live in the same time as Jordan Burroughs, a great ambassador uh, for his family, himself, and the sport of wrestling as a whole. I cling to hope. I choose to be proactive as opposed to responsive in difficult situations, right? Circumstances aren't ideal. You've got to be in here with the guy that stole your dream, and you know, you got to essentially root him on and hope for the country to do well. It's, it's not a favorable position that I'm in, but also... I've had so many victorious days that I understand that there was a g other guy on the other side of all those victories that I've had that went home in despair, and you forget about that. So I think that I've got three kids at home, one on the way, and I expect all of them to be athletes, and I have to be the living embodiment of what it looks like to show sportsmanship at all times, um, to be a display of grace and, uh, and discipline. So I'm here. I'm not going to spend time at home. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get any better. i got to be here with the best guys in the world. So it makes sense for me to be here. It's not great for my pride, not great for my ego, but it's good for my wrestling. There you go. Oh, he did say essentially root for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he showed he's human. And he can't be, uh, you know, completely oblivious to the fact that, you know, he's there with the guy yeah. that took his, his spot. I'm but saying and he doesn't Mike, like the guy. He don't want. He doesn't want to go through that mini turning. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Nobody. I wants think he goes to. up to seventy nine and uh, spends some time there. Yes. What it? Uh, would he go back down if Cal did not medal this year? Um. Ooh. Probably. I, I would say probably. Yeah. Cal so. not medal no. Come on, man. I know. Yes. Very unlikely scenario. Anyways, I think that was a good note to end the show on today. Uh, we've got breakfast tacos to get to here in the office. Thank you, Kozak. Thank you, Spay, for joining the show. For Ben Askren, John Kozak, Andrew Spay, I'm J.D. Raider. We'll see you tomorrow.